really good to be with you today. And uh, I just want to say you have an excellent uh, team leader in Hugh. Um, I've known Hugh for a number of years, watching slightly from a distance, but also we spent some quite close time together on retreat and stuff. And uh, he is a guy who knows the Lord and follows him with all his heart. And uh, I haven't planned to say that, but I just think sometimes it's helpful to know from somebody from a completely different setting, you have a good team leader. So uh, well done, mate. You're doing a great job. Yeah. 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 Hugh was uh, talking to me a little bit about, because uh, I was asking him about what you've been doing, what, what the context is I'm coming to speak into today in terms of the messages that you've been having and what you've been looking at in God together. And uh, I know you've been talking quite a bit about God himself. Uh, you've been looking at God, uh, his presence, God being omnipresent, I think you looked at quite recently. And so uh, the kind of idea and request today is to try and kind of take that the next step in terms of looking a little bit together about what it means for God to be amongst us together and what that looks like and how do we pursue him and his presence and actually then his power because when he's present his power is also present he wants to do things um, as well as simply to be here Um, each of us is here physically um, and God wants to use you to bring his grace, his presence, his power into the lives of people around you, whether that be in this context right here on a Sunday morning, or of course also, I never want to forget this bit, in the whole of our lives. Um, This is an ongoing thing. This is a 24-7 life that we're called to. We've been doing a series uh, over in Bishop Stortford, which sermon series, which we've called this term, To Your Advantage. And so the PowerPoint that I'm going to show you is an adapted version of that as I kind of made it specific and relevant, I trust, to, to you and to us here today. So, to your advantage, it is to your advantage that I go, Jesus said in John 16. Um, and that is a, what must it have been like Try and put yourself in the position of the disciples who've been living cheek by jowl with Jesus for three years, watching, listening, observing part of what he's doing, and then he suddenly says, actually, I'm going to leave you, but it's better for you if I do. That must have been really difficult to get your head around if you're one of the disciples. How can that possibly be? And yet, of course, as always, Jesus was speaking the truth. And he went on to explain that the reason it was to their advantage is because he would then be able to send the Spirit from heaven to be in you. To be in you. And so if you're a believer here this morning, the first thing to take on board is to realize, Lord, would you help me to get this from just being a kind of a head knowledge thing that I know something about. Jesus once said that it would be better because he'd be in you. This to become an actual reality and a something that kind of grips me. Goodness me, God himself is in me. If you're a believer in Jesus this morning, that's the truth. God himself. What? God himself lives within you. He promised that he would be. Jesus said, where two or three gather, there am I in the midst. There's an immediate promise of when his people gather together, he's also, so he's living inside you personally as an individual, if you're a believer, 
Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, Paul said to the Corinthians. You literally, he resides within you. But also when two or three gather, he's here amongst us. So there's both of these dimensions, there's the personal individual, God lives inside me dimension, and there's the God amongst us when his people gather. Whether it be two or three or 23 or 63 or 6,000, he's amongst us. And when he lives in you and when he is amongst us, the stuff he wants to do. Moses said this to God, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us. What else will distinguish your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? See, they knew, didn't they, the people of Israel in the Old Testament, that God was omnipresent. He was everywhere. Of course, he is always with us in that sense. The whole earth is full of his glory. He's never absent. But they also knew the manifest presence of God, even amongst the Israelites, as God dwelled amongst them with the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, the presence of God, his glory filling the tabernacle that Moses had built. And so there's this omnipresence, God is everywhere, that is absolutely true. But there's also this dimension of his manifest presence amongst his people. As we talked this morning, of course, I'll tell you one or two stories because uh, it's, I think, helpful and helps build our faith. But please hear them from the heart, which is, this is not in any sense to impress you. It is simply to help encourage you and to see how God can be with us and amongst us. The thing is that reality is that his, what, anything that he does, any gift that he gives is out of his grace. It's undeserved, as we sang a little bit earlier. Any degree to which his manifest presence is revealed amongst us is out of his grace. It's not because we've earned it. If we start to think we have to kind of earn it in some way, then we're coming out of grace and into legalism. We don't want to go there. No, it's actually grace, but God gives us grace as well to, to pursue him and to serve him and to see him released. So it's kind of both. Two weeks ago on the 21st of November, um, I was speaking to a, uh, a new a visitor in our, just after our church meeting, and she said this, when I came in, I just cried. I knew I'd found my home. But wow, that's precious. And then last week during our meeting, my wife Angela sitting over there, um, we, were, we were in the congregation, she said to me, I think I've got this kind of rather strange word. I said, well, I think you should go for it. And uh, so with that encouragement, she, she went up and offered it and, and gave it up publicly. Um, about somebody who had said, you, you just keep turning over on your ankle. And uh, it's not a big problem. And you thought, well, I don't know, it's not worth really bothering her. But you keep turning over. And actually, when it does happen, it is a bit of a problem. I don't think you've done it for a little while, but it's something that you, you tended to happen. And um, it turned out there's a, a first-time visitor there, not a believer, who, who says to her friend who's brought her, a church member, that's me. Um, Angela was then able to pray for her. God came on her. She started crying. Um, we don't know what's going to happen next. But see, the presence of God was brought into that individual's life. And it was, as Angela said to me, it was, it was just a sort of passing thought, really. And very often, when, we, when God speaks to us, it's not actually more than that. It's just a passing thought. 
So when Andrew and I were talking yesterday about coming here today, uh, out for a walk in the forest, and uh, I'd had this passing thought when I was preparing for, for this morning, earlier in the week, that uh, there is amongst you somebody who is actually has a significant prophetic call on their lives, and one of the little indicators as to when God's touching doing stuff is that I start to feel things and I'm just feeling it now so you know just to let, explain what's happening here um, and but this whoever this is male or female it's like you're a submarine and you're under the water and so it's invisible but actually you're quite fully formed already under the hand of God you have you have been growing in a prophetic gift for quite a while but it's as far as this context is concerned anyway it's underwater it's unseen. And uh, just going for the walk, and I um, said to Angela that, uh, and she said to me, sorry, um, I think that there's somebody in the church who's actually got quite a significant prophetic gift, um, and it hasn't been revealed yet. And I, she didn't know what I've just told you. And I said, well, actually, the other day, I felt God say to me exactly the same thing. So I'm at this point trusting. I'm not going to ask you to reveal yourself. I think that would be not the right thing to do with something like this. But actually, somebody either here or listening, looking at the camera for a second, uh, so is, you think, oh, my word, I know that's me. Um, and uh, so if that is you, then please, will you, uh, yeah, have a little word with one of the eldership team and just say, you know, when, when Peter shared that, in my heart of hearts, I know that's me. Uh, because there's a journey to go on together with the leadership in terms of what that might, how that might, what that looks like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because uh, the prophetic always works with leadership in, in harmony and together. So, yeah, see what God might do. When Paul said to the Corinthians, the, talking about prophetic ministry in the church, the unbeliever will be, un, will be convinced and will fall down and worship God, explaining, exclaiming, surely God is among you. We want that, don't we? Uh, you, many of you probably probably thought, yeah, Lord, we want that. Well, Sometimes that's in the, the big whoa moments, but usually it isn't. Usually it's in the kind of more normal, a, a, a little word of knowledge that's given, something like that. Um, I took um, a, a friend of mine who is a prophet, actually, I would say now, uh, to uh, another church with me um, in Essex, actually, um, a, a number of years ago. And uh, he said, I've got these couple of words of knowledge. And the first one was that um, he, he heard the sound of a, creaking garden gate, footsteps on the path, and a stick on the ground. What's that? And afterwards, a lady comes up and says, you've just described me as a child coming home, and the stick was the one my father beat me with, and that was his footsteps. I used to dread it. She needed healing prayer. And then the other one was, he said, I feel like there's somebody here who's got a a broken relationship that you need healing from uh, and in the past. And the name Caroline is significant. And an elder, one of the elders leaned across to me and said, there's nobody in the church called Caroline. Oh, that was a bit of a downer. Uh, well, afterwards, guess what? A lady comes up to me and says, nobody in the church knows this. But I was divorced a number of years ago before I was here. And I used to be, I changed my name. I used to be called Caroline. Think, oh, my word. You see, God breaks in. 
And it was specific, but actually in those cases, personal. A number of years ago, um, one of our meetings in church uh, over in Bishop Stortford, um, one of the guys in the church who is very prophetic, was emerging in that at the time, uh, he suddenly said, I've got this kind of picture. And I see um, a, a hand coming down from heaven and a thumb, and it's putting an imprint on different nations. I'm kind of seeing a map and putting an imprint. And I feel like God's saying, I want to use you to touch nations. And as he described it in a, a very normal kind of a way, the presence of God came whoosh. And there was a kind of moment of silence in the presence of God as the whole congregation knew God just spoke. If I can remember it so well. It, it felt like a really significant moment. So we responded to that by praying and saying to God, well, over to you, really. We're up for it, but open to you. And one of the things I loved about that was that it was about, it wasn't a word that says, you're going to change the world, folks. It was, I want to use you to touch nations. And that was realistic and not over the top, but profoundly meaningful. And uh, we have been involved in a number of nations since and sent people to a number of nations as well. God has been doing it. Um, so when God speaks to you or you feel like he is I guess my encouragement is don't hold back but be ready to, to step up Jesus lives in you personally he promised he would he still does he said streams of living water will flow from within you he loves to be with his people he's not reluctant he loves it. It's always been his heart. You know, in Exodus 40, the glory of God filled Moses' tabernacle. Num Numbers chapter 2, God gives instructions for the Israelites to camp, or just to, to set their camp up around the tabernacle. So the very presence of God was central to the people. Numbers chapter 35, he says this, I am the Lord who lives among the people of Israel. But he lives in you together as well and we're going to look at that together now if you want to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2 we'll read a couple of verses and verses 19 to 22 consequently Paul writing to the Ephesians you're no longer foreigners or aliens but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone he's the one it's all built on isn't he in him as in christ the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the lord so paul has said to the individual corinthians your body is the temple of the holy spirit personally he's saying to the ephesians here in him in christ you the whole building the church together is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Again, a dwelling place of God. Verse 22. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives 
by his spirit. And he wants you to hear that particular verse this morning, I believe. That you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You are. That is his heart for you. And so, Father, let's just pray for a second. Father, I pray that by your spirit, you will put this truth in the heart of this people that they absolutely know. Not only that you live in them personally because you promised, but also that you are building them together to become a dwelling in which you live by your spirit. And I thank you that you already do, but I thank you too that there's so much more yet to come. And I pray that you will be leading them into all that you have for them, to the glory and honor of Jesus. That's our prayer, Lord. And can you join me? And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Together, we are his household, his temple, his body, a dwelling. You know, you don't just have a temple like the Israelites did. You are the temple. You are the temple. And he lives in you together, in all of you, not just some of you. Every single one of you who is a believer in Jesus because he lives inside of you all personally. Therefore, you're part of also his dwelling amongst you together. They fit together. All of you together, Paul says, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. We have a, a building of our own back in Bishop Thorpeford, we call it the Caris Centre, and uh, we opened it quite a long time ago now, but... Um, little story when we did um, we had a, an opening ceremony and the presence of God was really really powerful at that meeting and people were feeling it and the mayor who was a professional public speaker but not a Christian uh, came to deliver a, a greeting and when he stood up to speak he couldn't speak um, for some time and was very puzzled and confused. And I thought I was going to have to get up and, res and rescue him. Um, but he then managed to, you know, God get, by God's grace, he did manage to say a few things. But what he didn't, it was the presence of God that was affecting him. And afterwards, um, we discovered that when the PA system had been shorting out, when we were trying to start the meeting, lightning had been striking the building. Um, you know, and causing the shorts. And uh, afterwards, uh, somebody who was there came up to me. I'd never met before, but it turned out they used to be the, one of the owners, of, one of the members of the family that used to own the building. And she said, she's a Christian. And she said to me, she wanted to come and see, you know, to see what we were doing with it. And uh, she had tears in her eyes. And she said, when I was hanging out my washing this week, suddenly I felt God, I was praying for you and for, for the church here. And I suddenly felt God say to me, I'm going to demonstrate my presence and blessing on these people with signs in the sky. It didn't make any sense until I realized, oh my word, 
lightning striking the building just as we're at the moment we're trying to begin. You think that's extraordinary. It's just a little extra kind of encouragement that God loves to dwell amongst his people. He loves to turn up when you meet together and to do things. And he's just increasing your faith level and expectation this morning of that. See, he's very present as well as being omnipresent. James chapter 4 verse 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Hebrews 10.22 tells us to draw near to God. See, there is, an ex- there is a truth to the fact that we experience God's presence by degrees. So he is omnipresent, but he also can be very present, if I can put it that way. And so the Bible t- encourages us to draw near, come closer with the encouragement that as we do, God will respond. He does, he responds, he draws near to us as well. How do we do that? I'll just run through a few pointers which you can pick up uh, further in due course if you want to. First one is this, put relationships right. Matthew 5, 23. If you're offering your gift, Jesus says, at the altar, so this is a, a worship context in the temple, of course, he was referring to, and remember that your brother has something against you, first go and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. So Jesus gives really clear teaching on making sure that before we come to worship, to be in the presence, in the temple of God, so to speak, that actually if, this, if we know there are relationship issues, that we play our part and do our best to sort them out. And did you notice that if you, if you remember that your brother has something against you, then go. Elsewhere, Jesus says, Matthew 18, 15, if your brother sins against you, go. So whoever we think is the guilty party, inverted commas, or the one who was the offender, it's always our responsibility to take the initiative to go, whichever way around it is. Uh, It's important to note that. Psalm 133, very well-known psalm. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. There the Lord commands the blessing. There's a connection. Secondly, spend time with him. It's incredibly obvious, isn't it? It's incredibly obvious that spending time with him is critical to knowing his presence, just like it is in a human relationship. And I'd say draw close whether you feel him or not. And over the over years I've had quite a lot of been able to have quite a lot of retreat times. And um, I remember one time, see, sometimes when I set aside time to to seek the Lord and his presence, I find it quite helpful to lie on the floor. I did that this morning for a bit. Um, And sometimes I get, my my body starts doing some funny things. I get sort of jerks and things like that. Oh, I'm just lying there minding my own business. And I think, oh, it's like you just put your finger in electricity. You know, your body reacts. That's not what it's about but it's a helpful encouragement that, oh, hang on, something happening here. God's drawing close as I'm drawing close to him. But, you know, equally, I remember taking a retreat up in Oldsborough, rented a flat up there for three days, and uh, I spent, on that particular time, a lot of time, I mean, a lot of time just being in his presence, a lot of it lying on the floor, not a very thick carpet, I remember. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I felt absolutely nothing the entire three days. And I said to God, as I was nearly finished, I said, Lord, I, I guess you, you must have been here, but it hasn't, I haven't felt like you were here. 
And uh, he spoke to me quite clearly about the fact that he wanted me, it wasn't about that. That it was, it was a faith issue. That to know that as I'd sought him and sought to draw near, he, he had drawn near to me as well. And not to depend upon the outward stuff. And so the outward stuff's encouraging when it happens, but it's not essential, okay? Spend time with him, though, whether you feel him or not. Number three, exalt Jesus in worship. One of the Holy Spirit's jobs is to glorify Jesus. John 16, 14, Jesus said, He, referring to the Spirit, will bring glory to me. And when we express worship that exalts Jesus and choose, make sure that some of our songs are specifically exalting him, the Holy Spirit is delighted to kind of come in on the back of it and he, it's like he owns that. That's, that's really important. Fourthly, pray in his presence. And I don't mean by that pray in his presence, but pray in, you could say pray down, but that's not quite the right word. Pray in his presence. There was a guy called Kenneth MacDonald who was a deacon in a church in a place called Lewis in the Outer Hebrides. And uh, some people there felt like God had spoken to them about a promise of a special coming. And uh, they invited a guy to come and preach, to be a preacher there, Duncan Campbell. Some of you may know the story. And uh, this is 50 years ago or so more. And uh, he came, Duncan Campbell came. There were 300 people in the first meeting. But nothing particular happened, and everybody was a bit puzzled. But God, you said. And then Kenneth MacDonald stood up and prayed. And apparently he prayed for about 20 minutes. And the place was held. And then the glory of God fell. And then people started coming back in, because the meeting had finished. Started coming back in. And they ended up with 600 people in the building, which had previously had 300 in, and they didn't know where they'd all come from, just around and about. And the revival started. An anointed prayer. And if you're a background prayer, a background person, but you pray a lot, I want to encourage you. God hears, and he'll answer. Keep praying. How do we draw near? Number five, acknowledge his presence. Welcome him. Hugh did that earlier this morning. He's, he's a person, the Holy Spirit, not an it. He's a person. So he appreciates being welcomed and acknowledged. Number six, recognize the moments and go with them. Um, you may sense him yourself. You may discern what he's doing. Sometimes there may be, you may get physical signs or you feel if things emotionally. I mentioned that about myself a bit earlier. Sometimes you will see him on other people. I remember hearing a guy called Dave Devonish um, talk about this years ago. So I, I see the Holy Spirit on you and I'm sort of looking and thinking, do you? I can't see him. Where is he? <laughs> uh, but actually I've found sometimes I, I, I'm able to do that as well. And others of you here may well, particularly more prophetic people, may be able to sense and see the Holy Spirit on certain people. And uh, when that, when, whenever it is you sense the Spirit of God doing something amongst you, it's really important to go with the moment. I learned this when I, from Colin Dye uh, down in London when I was at a meeting down there at uh, Kensington Temple. 
And uh, somebody came up to give a report, very normal report about a mission trip. Somebody had been to Albania. And uh, as they gave the, gave the report, and Colin Dye suddenly breaks in and says, uh, the Holy Spirit's here on this. Now, if you've been to Albania or you're part of the prayer team that supports, and you've got an association with the Albania mission, will you please come up to the front? Um, I think we need to pray for you. And there were about 50 people probably. And as they were going up to the front, half of them didn't get as far as the front before they hit the floor because the power and presence of God came on them. And I learned something. I thought he recognized in his spirit a moment where God was wanting to do something and he interrupted what was happening to go with it and let it happen. And wow, it was so, so powerful. Let's look out for those moments and go with them. And then number seven, finally, use spiritual gifts. The expression of the supernatural. I wonder, what does he do? This is what he does when he indwells us. He releases spiritual gifts. I know you've had teaching on this before. Um, We won't, for the sake of time, go into those passages now, but 1 Corinthians 12 particularly has got a lot there. But the gifts bring the reality of God's presence and power. Um, It might be somebody who, who feels is moved by God to uh, pray out in a super spiritual language uh, in a meeting. And, you know, that can be so powerful somehow. The Holy Spirit uh, owns that at, at the right time and comes and, and his presence kind of strengthens as it's part of drawing near to him. And uh, so be open to that. Prophecies and words and knowledge, of course, that... Uh, can lead people, as we've said, we get one or two stories already, surely God is among you. Um, let me just finish by, by underlining a couple of things. First of all, that story I told about somebody who keeps going over on their ankle from the other week, just to underline, it was a faint impression. It wasn't blinding lights, flashing lights, audible voice. It was none of that. When we ask God to speak to us, we can trust that he will. And what we've learned is that when you go with the first thing, you say, God, will you speak to us? Speak to me. How do you want to bless these people this morning or this person or whatever? Then be aware of the first thing that comes to, comes to mind. And just go with it. Just give it a try. And it's offering. It's not imposing. Say, thus saith the Lord. It's not that. It's, I feel like God may be saying this and then bring it and just see. If God's on it, it'll happen. We don't need to hype it up, do we? But it's great when he speaks. So give it a go, is my encouragement, and we're going to have some time to do that in just a second. Uh, Be realistic. Sometimes in a meeting context, people don't respond, or actually even privately they don't because they're too embarrassed. Um, That's okay. We have to just be be able to take that on board. Um, We had a, a word of knowledge given a few years ago um, which was quite specific about um, a, bre- a woman with breast cancer. So we said, look, obviously not asking you to respond to this publicly, but we feel like God's highlighting for somebody. So if that's you, uh, perhaps ask one of, the, one of the women in the church who you know to pray for you. Um, and uh, what we did not know was that a first-time visitor was in the meeting that day and a woman who had exactly the condition that was being described. But she and her husband absolutely refused to believe that it was not a setup. They said, no, somebody's told somebody. No, they couldn't possibly have known. 
and they were unable to, as unbelievers, they're unable to hear. So I'm just saying, let's be realistic. Sometimes you get, as we got with the lady with the turning over ankle, somebody responded, yeah, that's me, and this happy to be prayed for, and God touched her, et cetera, et cetera. And sometimes it doesn't work out like that. Our job is to be faithful uh, with what God gives us and trust the outcomes to him. Okay. I need to finish because I want to make sure we get time to pray. Um, just some bullet points, really, from 1 Corinthians. There are many different spiritual gifts. Every believer has a spiritual gift. It's to each one, so it's all of you. Nobody's left out. Everyone has different gifts. The scripture makes it really clear. Um, not everybody is an apostle. Not everybody is a prophet. Not everybody is a miracle worker, etc. But we all, you all have gifts. God decides who gets what. And that's fine. That's his prerogative, isn't it? He is God after all. Gifts are to strengthen the church. It's not to make me or you look good, but it's to strengthen the church. It's for the common good, verse 7. Um, and gifts are to empower us to witness, Acts 1.8. Um, and it's just wonderful that that lady who responded to the turning over the ankle word wasn't even a believer, never been before. <laughs> Uh, so even in a church meeting context, God used the word of knowledge to actually advance the gospel um, in that kind of way. And it is all to glorify Jesus. It's all for him. Um, and actually, do you know what? It means that when we hold back from stepping out, we're actually robbing him of honor. I thought, oh, I just, just that occurred to me as I was preparing. I thought, yeah, there's, there's that aspect to it, isn't there? I don't want to do that. I want to be prepared to, to risk it for his honor and glory. Should we pray? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, why don't you, why don't, let me encourage you to stand if you're happy to, to take part in this. Um, and um, Nick's just going to play a, bit, a little bit of music in the background for us. Not because we create an atmosphere by doing so. Please hear that. Um, but rather because... It just, it'll help you to feel a little bit more comfortable and uh, when you start to pray for <coughs> other people or they start talking to you, you don't feel like the people around you are all you know, earwigging on what's going on and we can have a, a privacy in, in that context. So uh, just as he begins to play, let's uh, encourage you if you're ready to receive from God this morning to hold your hands out in front of him, in front of you rather. And uh, obviously he's watching us um, and I'd like to pray over you all and then uh, we'll see uh, what God wants to do next um, if he gives me or Angela uh, anything kind of to share publicly then we'll do that otherwise uh, I'm going to invite you in a few minutes to begin praying for each other in, uh, in threes and fours because this isn't about performing at the front this is about the whole body of Christ being equipped yeah Jesus your word tells us to eagerly desire spiritual gifts. There's a zealous desire that you instruct us to have, and yet we sometimes find we don't. So maybe in this moment, if you recognize that you've not eagerly desired spiritual gifts or have not really been pursuing the presence of God particularly, then the first starting point is simply to say sorry to God and to say, I'm going to turn, I'm going to change. I want, want you to give me grace to change, but I recognize 
what's the past been like and I'm going to want to repent and change and be different going forward. So I just give you a moment to be talking to God in your own hearts about, about that. Father, thank you that you sent Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you send the Spirit. And we, we say yes to you this morning, and I ask you to send him again to the heart of every person here who is asking you. Jesus said to his disciples, how much more will the Holy Spirit be given to those who ask? It's not imposed but he comes when we ask. So I would encourage you to be asking him, saying, Jesus, yeah, pour out your spirit on me again today. Ephesians says to go on being filled with the spirit. It's not a one-off thing. It's a lifelong thing. Yeah. So come, Holy Spirit. I release you and invite you into this congregation this morning again now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And we'll, we'll take a little, little moment. Don't need to rush on. Sometimes he comes quickly. Sometimes he takes a bit more time. That's fine. Let's just keep receiving. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. See the Holy Spirit on you. He's here for you today. He says he's come to restore the years that locusts have eaten. Whoa. Yeah. More, Lord. 